You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 142, sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service and eMusic. It was Sean Connery, and then it became a, a semen from New England. <laughs> semen? <laughs> yes. A semen. Well, look at that. It's the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. Episode 142. I'm Josh. I'm here with... Connor. And... Ron. <laughs> There's no real delay built in there. You're doing it on your own. You know, I want to make it sound like we edited our names in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Josh. <laughs> this week's we lot like on Jackpot is books. $20. iFanboy.com uh, is our website that we do. On that, we have stuff. And we like comic books. That's why we do it. We pick the best. One of us has to pick the best book that they read this week, write a review about it. Then we come on the show. We talk about that book for a little while, 10, 15 minutes. Then we talk about other books from the week. Then we answer. Then it just goes crazy after that. And then usually at the end, we say a bunch of stuff. But in between it, it gets very funny. At and least that's what we hope. It's important to note that if you normally skip the bunch of stuff at the end, keep listening mm-hmm. this week. Why would you other- skip a bunch of stuff? That's the most fun part because that's when shit breaks down. That's what I think, but you never That's know. That's my favorite part of the show, which I guess isn't saying a lot for the rest of it. <laughs> anyway, um, how about them spoilers, huh? Well, we're talking about the books that came out. So if you haven't read your books, it would be foolhardy. It would be Arf. foolish for, <laughs> for you to continue listening if you don't want them ruined. If you don't care, hey, join the party. It's a fun time, and I want you to have fun. We're going to talk about the stuff, so let's get started. Connor had the pick of the week. Roll. This this week's pick of the week was Scalped number 19 (laughs) If you selected Vertigo (laughs) By Jason Aaron (laughs) David Forno Oh boy you selected Captain America 40. Incorrect. Listen to a different show. <laughs> Written by Ed Brubaker. <laughs> <laughs> this is the earliest it's ever gone off the rails. The funny thing is, is that the movie phone guy is like literally 10 years old. That joke is never, that never gets old. <laughs> <laughs> I met that guy once. Did you? Yeah, he came on one of the shows I used to work on. It's nice to meet you, Connor Kilpatrick. <laughs> Where's the bathroom? <laughs> well, Scalp is good. Let's move on. <laughs> we took the 10 minutes allotted for Scalp. So what, what are you, you going to say about this that we didn't say about issue 18? I don't know. This was, you know, it's better than anything else currently, I think. I'm trying to decide if it's the best book I'm reading. I think it... Every every subsequent issue makes a strong case that it is. This issue was so emotionally devastating on so many levels. And I read it and I said, wow. And I had to put it down and sort of stop reading for a while because it, it was so heartfelt and terrible, but good in its terribleness at the same time. I mean, this is just an awful world. Yes. That's what and took me back in 
view was just how the, that dynamic between the awful and the, the good, you know? It was so gut-wrenching because basically this issue is that the main character, Bad Horse, has been sleeping with the, vi- the main villain's daughter, Carol. And up to this point, all we've seen of them is that Bad Horse comes around and they have sex and he leaves. And he's got a lot of anger issues and he's, you can't tell if he's working at his anger issues on the world and on her father through his daughter. And we haven't really explored their relationship much in, in any detail. And here we see them together, and they basically they have sex, and they don't talk. They sit there afterwards and smoke cigarettes, and then until finally Bad Horse says, "I gotta go," and he leaves, and she gets high. And that's basically all we've seen. And then we watch them <laughs> through, through their day to day life, and it's ter- and then, you know Bad Horse is at a funeral for that kid, and it's horrible. And, and Carol has probably a typical day at, the, at work, which is also horrible, being manhandled by customers at the restaurant and buying drugs with her money she earns that day and then they come back and have sex again but this time it's different because then we zoom into their brains and we see all the stuff they want to say to each other in the silent moments but they can't they're too afraid or they don't have the strength or or their issues prevent them and it was just this gut-wrenching stuff because this is the stuff people say to each other when they're you know you know that beginning part of love when you're falling in love and all you're doing is having sex and talking all the time this is the kind of stuff you talk about and they're not actually doing it because for whatever reasons and that's just it was just it was just you know, heart-wrenching to read. The line that really got me was, I spent everything I made today on black tar heroin. <laughs> like, that's when, you're, that's when you're laying it out on the table, but only to yourself. So that didn't really help anyone. Well, that's the stuff you, the confessions you make. You know, the, yeah. you know I've done something bad and I need to tell someone. This is, and she can't. And all says, I got to go. She says, I want to get high now. And that's, that's where they're at. It's just horrible. And this is the beginning of an arc. I think we're, we're going to explore her. And I, I don't, believe she's dead at the end because she makes a weird face as she falls back to the bed but yeah i thought that too but i don't think she's dead either because that would be stupid right it, w- it would be a waste it's it would be a... like when yeah no, especially at the first part of the arc yeah yeah yeah. so yeah it was so much better than everything else on the racks this weekend and david ferno who i didn't love la- he wrote he did the last one right he yes did. he did i was gonna ask you about that whether you were more because you didn't like him last time his art was much sharper this time it wasn't as sketchy uh-huh. which I, I liked a lot more well he's just drawing people fucking the whole time <laughs> Well, I like that. I mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, it was it was cleaner. I liked it. He had a good yeah, hand so, on the I mean, faces. It's funny because this is the first part of a, I think, said five. No, it doesn't even say. It just says part one, which means that he might be on it for a little while. Right. I'm guessing because they're not going to switch artists in the middle of an arc. I would guess. The boudoir stomp. Hey, I got a question. Yeah. Does Carol have nunchucks in her hand on the cover? Yes. Why? <laughs> They're trying to trick people to think it's a kung fu book. Apparently, Tim, Tim Bradstreet has never read this book. <laughs> well, that's we, probable. We're going to learn yeah. about her life in flashbacks now, and who knows? Maybe at one point she was a badass kung, uh, nunchuck wielding chick. She's a Native American ninja waitress. Well, she's she. Her father's a crime boss, so it's possible. It's possible that she picked up nunchucks. Yeah, I, I, you know, you know no, Tim Bradstreet. It's a very lovely cover, but the nunchucks don't make any damn sense. I don't even know where to get nunchucks. Canal Street. The, the internet. <laughs> the nunchuck store. The nunchuck district. Tim Bradstreet <laughs> thought he was doing an Iron Fist cover. Nunchucks. So it that got, was supposed to be Danny Rant? It got switched. It's Misty Knight. <laughs> wow. And that's what happened. But really, it's almost unfair to be compared to anything, any other book. I mean, Scalp is on a higher level. You know, what's funny is that on your Pick of the Week review on the site, just every single person who had read the book said, yeah, you're right. Like anybody who had read this issue this week was like, yeah, there's that. That was the best book, you know. And, and not everybody reads it, obviously. But if you were anywhere near this book, you it was, there's nothing to beat it. That's absolutely true. And it's t- I mean, it's not for everybody. It's tough. This this issue in particular is very sexy. 
not but not be, sexy. No, not sexy, but I mean, sexalicious. <laughs> very sort of, you know, lots of dirty talking and, and sex going on and a lot of drug use. And it's not for everyone. No, it, it is. And it's not an uplifting book. So it's also, no. in that sense, not for everyone. It's not a book that's going to be universally loved, but the people who are into this sort of entertainment will very much appreciate it. There must I mean, be some sort of light at the end of this tunnel. I mean, I listen to you guys talk about this book. I mean, I'm not re- I read the first two trades, but that, that's all I've read so far. But it just like, it, it sounds like a lot of negativity in your life to be reading all the time. You know, like, does that get to you? Or? So well crafted, though. Yeah. Like, it's so interesting. I really. More than anything, I really want to know what's going to happen to Dash. Yeah. A lot. I mean, I really want to know because he's such an interesting character. And I just don't know if he's going to go to the dark side or, you know, go out guns blade. I don't know and I want to very badly. Well, that, isn't that the point? That's why you buy every issue. I mean, exactly. Yeah. But that's, that's why. Yeah. It's interesting to watch horrible things happen. I mean, that's what drama is. Right. You know, it's, it's like The Shield. It's like watching The Shield. Like, drink. Sorry, horrible <laughs> the shit. Wire, the wire, drink. The wire. <laughs> no, but it's exactly like that. It's it is the reason why I love the Shield and the Wire. Also, it's because it's horrible stuff happening to people, but also it says a lot about the human condition, and the human yeah. condition is is rough. <laughs> right, wow, well, we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> it's turning into a late night. Speaking of the speaking of the rough human condition, how about that Batgirl? Batgirl number one was three one- years too late. One of two books, let's say a Scalpton hadn't come out this week. One of two books that would have been in contention for Pick of the Week. This is a first issue of a six-issue miniseries by Adam Beechin and Jim Calafiori. And Josh and I are big fans of Beechin. We liked his Robin. We liked his Countdown to Adventure a lot. Here he's right in his zone where he's writing Batgirl, he's writing Alfred, he's writing Batman, Robin. And he's really one of those people that when you read the dialogue, you really see he's got a handle on the people and their relationships. And he writes a fantastic Alfred the only problem with this book is it gets to about three-quarters of the way in, and then you just hit this wall of exposition where they're trying to catch people up, possibly new readers up on what's been happening to Batgirl in the last couple of years because she's had a very complex storyline. She, she shit, this, for a is while. The, this is the Batgirl with the thing over her mouth. This isn't, yeah, this yeah. isn't a lesbian. That's oh, not Batwoman. Oh, it, Batwoman, right. That's Batwoman. Her, yeah, okay. No, this is, Batgirl. This is uh, what's her name? I can't. Kane? Ka- Ka- yeah, Cassandra. Cassie. Cassandra Kane. Yeah. Cassandra Kane, yes. Yeah. Um, she went evil for a while because she was taken over. Her mind is taken over by Deathstroke. So there's this whole like three or four page sequence where it's just blocks of text coming out of Robin and Batman's mouths, and it's just like, ugh. It killed the momentum of the story. The first half was really good, really exciting, and I really liked it a lot. And then and the, the exposition wall came and it, it slammed shut. But now that the, wall, the exposition's out of the way, I'm sure the rest of the series will be good. Art by Jim Calafiore. I really liked him a lot. He did the whole Gotham Underground miniseries, which was very good. There was a there was a block of text just like that in this week's Hellblazer, also by Jason Aaron. It was the same thing. Like it just at the end of it. By the way, here's the whole story we're referring to. <laughs> same thing. Well, this was like one to the like two f- literally full pages of just exposition. Yeah. Everywhere, and it was tough. It was tough to read. Take away that one sequence, it might have been. It wouldn't have been picked, but it would have been close. The second book, which in a, in a normal week might have been a pick of the week, was Captain America number 40. It's so good to have Steve Epting draw a book. I mean, I like Butch Geis' art, but when Steve Epting draws this book, it's, it's a little more special. I really There's... hated this cover, though. I don't know why. Yeah, actually, I was just looking at it thinking that looks like... Ah, ah. Yeah, like, I thought it was like Gabriel Delato or something like that, but I'm like, oh, it's Epting. No, well, that's not good. This book was sort of an average issue, I thought, but there were two things in it that stood out to me. Um... <laughs> The, the first one was uh, – you don't know what I'm going to say. We haven't talked about this. But I know, but I'm looking at what I think it is. 
You're just looking at what you think it is. Yeah. For me, the supervillains arguing with each other. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the greatest thing ever. He's like, it was so classic. <laughs> they're literally pointing fingers at each other like a reservoir dogs. Well, in the very beginning, when they're watching the fight on the satellites and, and Faustus and Zola arguing, and, and Faustus the Red Skull's like, I was trying to give him a compliment. Like, it's just like, you can sense the tension, and then the fight is just amazing. <laughs> of course, that's what's going to happen when you put these three egos together. Oh, I love it. I love it. Red Skull's trying to hold everything together. Because he's, he's, he's going to make his numbers this month. <laughs> Listen, guys, I've been trying to get the retreat work together, but the whole thing's going to fall apart if we don't. He actually says you incompetent, overblown, and then he's interrupted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, th- and that's some classic Stan Lee villain stuff he's doing there. Oh, totally. Like, everybody's loving this book, but the thing that's really interesting to me is there really is Ed Brubaker sort of wallowing in the comics of the past. A little bit and like overdoing the villains in a way that for some reason works and is very satisfying. It's very sixties. Yeah, 60s. yeah it is. The, the the Bucky you know Steve Rogers clone fight was good. It was all right. I mean, it was, yeah. You know, I agree. I thought it was average. I didn't think it was mind blowing. I, I was thinking about this when I was reading it. He really writes fight scenes very well. Yes. The action's yeah. always very linear. It always makes sense. It's not like there's a bunch of random fighting. There's always a progression to the fight. And I was wondering if it was Epting or if it was him, but then I realized it happens in all of his books. In Daredevil, the fights yeah. are always mm-hmm. really good. They always make sense. They always progress. He must really plan out, all right, how do these guys fight? What's the progression? This happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. It's, it's always very well thought out. And yeah. the, the last page was just a... Well, that was my se- the second thing, is that they stabbed her in the belly and killed the baby, presumably. That, when I got to that, I was like, whoa! Yeah. Like, and it's, you know, that a comic book makes you, I was like, that's a bold choice for the Marvel mainstream book. And then Red Skull smacks his daughter down. <laughs> you stupid, stupid girl. <laughs> <laughs> I should never have let you live. I love the, the issue ended on an ellipsis. Yes. <laughs> Two of them, really. <laughs> this was good sort of classic comic booking. I found the supervillain infighting very funny. Yes, I laughed um, out loud at, then, the, uh, at the, I was just trying to give him a compliment. Yeah, and I was, it was great. <laughs> and I was very shocked by what happened to Sharon because yeah. I did not expect that to happen. Yeah, well, so that certainly that, takes care of the problem. Again, you know, with the lack of Captain America or whatever, you know, with lack of Steve Rogers in this book, it's like you know, moving pieces around who the story is about, and like part of it is really Sharon's story. I think you know, it's part, it's Bucky's story too, but it's Sharon's as well. Oh yeah, I totally care what happens to Sharon too, and she's a character who I I knew of before but didn't care about. Right, that's no small thing. No small thing indeed. What's no small thing is uh, Jeff Johns and Scott Collins actually working together on Flash content. Final Crisis, Rogue's Revenge, number one. I sat down with The Flash, number 242, and Final Crisis, Rogue's Revenge, number one, and I read them both back to back, and I read Rogue's Revenge first, and then I read Flash 242, and it was like night and day. It was like honestly reading two different families of characters. I'll get to the, I'll get to Flash 242 later on, but you know, Connor, I was curious what you thought of Collins and Johns back in this world. How were you, uh, were you psyched as I was to see the detectives back? Well, this book is maddening. I, I I had to call shenanigans on it a little bit because yeah. Well, yes, I know what you're gonna say. But go. Yes. So, so oh wait, problem, no. Sorry, I thought you said Flanagan. My bad. The, the problem I have with it, we'll, we'll set aside for a second. But John's writing these guys is fantastic, and I love Collins' artwork. It's so yeah. nice to see. I mean, it's such a. It's such a unique style. No other book that I read looks like this. It's clean but detailed. He's very, very, very detailed, but he doesn't. It's not sketchy looking. He's just there's just yep. line, lines everywhere, but they all have a purpose. And Johns knows these characters better than anybody because he, he really built them up in his run. Well, the, the opening problem... scene with Captain Cold. The, the, yeah, I was like, Len Snark, yes. 
Heat Waves, Pyromania, and yep. it just, he makes them all seem really dangerous, which is good. But then my problem with this book is that they are now trying to backtrack on this murder. Right. Uh, they had, you know, they all, all these guys killed Bart Allen, and now they're, they've been trying to do this since Countdown. They're saying, oh, well, they didn't really mean to, or, or it was somebody else's fault. Oh, no. <laughs> they beat him to death with their fists. Right. You know, it wasn't like, I think yeah. in this issue they said, oh, we accidentally killed him. We didn't mean to. You know, it wasn't supposed well, to. Yeah, but well, basically what they're saying was that with inertia stealing his speed and stealing his powers. So previously when the Flash is running, you know, the lightning never hurt him or the cold never got to him or whatever. And, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, I think they're looking for excuses because they crossed the line that previously they never want, they never would cross before. Whether or not, you know, they're, they're, back, they're backpedaling on the story element. I mean, I think that's, I think it's a valid thing. I mean, the thing about the rogues and, and, Cold says it is that they're not killers. They're not supposed to be killers. Um, they shouldn't have had them kill someone. Right. Well, yeah. And I think it's an editorial thing because they tried to do a bit in the countdown books, this, all these excuses. And then even when we talked to Adam Beach in a bit, they were, he was just kind of like, well, we kind of have to ignore the fact that they were murderers. Right. I think they realized they made a mistake with these guys and now they're trying to, to backtrack on it and it just doesn't work because they beat him to death. They didn't kill him with a right. lightning bolt. They didn't kill him with a cold ray. They knocked him down and then they, they all stood, you know, stood around him and, and punched him until he died. Right. The idea that they're trying to do this is it really leaves a sour taste in my mouth. It's an otherwise really good issue. I ignored a lot of stuff when I read this. Like I ignored the fact that this didn't match up with anything that's happening in the Flash. Mm-hmm. Like in the Flash book, the Flash Museum blew up, and Wally had to take inertia out of it because he didn't want to have him die in the explosion. And that's like that's exactly opposite of what happened in this book. Well, like, that you know, like that it's, doesn't work. But whatever. So what happened in The Flash then? Tell us about 242. Oh, so in The Flash, basically, again, separate of whatever, it was really bad still. It's awful. It's just awful. <laughs> but at the very end of the issue ended with one of the kids dying. Yay! <laughs> kids, they're going to kill these kids. They're That's what they're going to kill gonna... the kids. They have to. Ba- ba- basically, for some reason, the daughter started aging very quickly. And that's where that where the last issue left off. And she and wasn't the, the creepy one, though. I know, yeah, no, exactly. But what's happened is that she grew up and she was the hot one. Like she was totally hot. Not and then in, in the span of this issue, she went from being like twenty to like forty, and then she got to be like cougary. But so what happens is that, that so she's aging, and they're trying to stop it. And she's got speed powers, and they're all nice. And Wally takes his whole family to Gorilla City, and he tries to make a plea because apparently there's some healing monkey. And so they they hook up with the healing <laughs> monkey. I know. It's an albino monkey too. Yeah. It just sounds like a like a weird resort. Come to Gorilla City. Gorilla City. <laughs> and they so the, the healing monkey does something to her and she starts aging really, really fast until she's dead laying in front of him as a skeleton. And that's why you never trust a monkey. <laughs> and it ends with Grodd, you know, and Wally saying, I'll kill you, Grodd. I don't know. I think all they can do is kill these kids. So uh, apparently the creepy son will be next, I hope. But it was just such a stark contrast between John's writing and Pyre's writing and then what we had with Wade before to be like, this is Flash being done well. That's too bad. Hopefully he'll show up in the Rogue's Revenge book. Well, I was going to say, yeah, and I realized as I'm saying it that the Flash wasn't even in the Rogue's Revenge book, but it was just like... You think Jeff John's going to call from the editor and he's like, well, over in the Flash book, they're doing... I'm actually not going to pay any attention to that. Well, right, but we want... You know what? I own that book. I do what I want with the Rogue's. <laughs> okay, okay, sure thing, Mr. John's. <laughs> give him whatever he wants. <laughs> I will. I will leave this company. Okay, whatever. Just give him whatever he wants. <laughs> oh, jeez, Josh, you, you wanted to talk about War Is Hell number five. This was the end of the Garth Ennis Howard Chaykin collaboration. From was it Marvel Max? It must have yes, been Max. Max yep. The full title, of course, being War Is Hell: Flight of the Phantom Eagle number First five. Flight of the Phantom Eagle. Was it the first? Jesus, yep. I really liked this last issue a lot. I liked the whole series. But I thought the ending was appropriately downbeat. 
basically like the plane crashes and then I don't remember anybody's name, so I'm sorry. The one guy with the the German name Kaufman. who's sort of been this Kaufman, he's been sort of the star of the whole thing. Him and his buddy crash behind enemy lines and his his friend is completely hurt. And so they start like his friend who's dying goes, "Tell me your story, where are you from? What's the deal?" because it's been a mystery through the whole thing. And so he tells the whole story and then like the guy calls him a cunt and then he dies. <laughs> like so that's the I was like, "Oh, that is awesome." <laughs> it's just and it was just such a sad downtrodden war story and it's world war one so they're behind like the front lines so you you know like whenever you see stuff about world war one it's always fascinating because it was just men being thrown at gunfire until they died and piled up and they didn't have any and, and like there's a little comment on just the futility of that and they were like yeah well the germans are gonna do it too and it was just like the utter like the worst humanity has ever been and then we skip forward a little bit and we find out that Kaufman has been made the head of this like flight division. He's got a bunch of newbies in and the, he sort of starts over where they left off with him. And it's you know the, the continuing churn of war. It was just it, my favorite stuff that Howard Chaikin has drawn that I've seen. It and great. it was just it, Garth Ennis' war stories. Good stuff. I, I, I really like this mini. It's going to make a nice little trade. I will have no problem recommending you know how much I like Chaikin, and I like that you're. It's a Chaikin story that you can enjoy as well because he's he's a good artist. He is. I I think that there are things that don't work with his art for me. Yeah, which I understand. So there. Cool. I wanted to talk about Perhapanauts number three from Image Comics. Um, I've talked about it before, and again, you know, like if you like Hellboy and you want something a little lighter, um, and if you like Proof from Image as well, you might want to check out Perhapanauts. It's a group of, you know, it's kind of like a BPRD esque team, and they've got a Bigfoot and they've got a Chupacabra and stuff like that. But the reason, and it's written by Todd DeZago and drawn by Craig Rousseau, and it's it's it admittedly in tone is a lot lighter than the Hellboy series is. You know, it's it's a lot more jokey. It's a lot more the colors are the color palette is completely different. Although it's unique in its own right, um, it sounds like more, the Hellboy movie. Yeah, it does actually. But the reason why I want to talk about this issue and, and what Todd and Craig are doing on Perhapanos is great. I'll keep reading it. But if you flip the cover, you see that there's a backup story with art by Mister Tad Stones. Look at that. Yeah, there's actually a, a six page story focusing on the Chupacabra. Who in a it's a very funny premise. The Chupacabra reminds me a lot of what um, Andy Lanning and and Abnet are doing in Guardians of the Galaxy and Galaxy with the Raccoon. Like this short kind of character who you know like weird stuff happens and is like the punchline. But in this case, this these creatures, these gremlins, have taken him on as their as their king, and they've completely invaded what whatever their office is. The um you know I forget the name of their office, and they all ha- they give him a crown, and whenever they see him, they yell, "Oh, hell, King Nosmo!" And he's this, and they do whatever he wants. And it's just it's very funny. It's it, like I was reading it cracking up, and Tad did a great job drawing it. So Tad Stones, uh, I fanboy uh, community member, uh, good job on you. Excellent. So and then I was curious if you guys were horrified that X Factor number thirty three had a secret invasion banner on it. Uh, I was horrified about a lot of stuff in this book. Well, and I was curious the... why you wanted to talk about it. Although I think I know. Well, yeah, I think you know too. The the art was by Larry Stroman. Who was the original X Factor artist? Yeah, he was the original X Factor artist when Peter David took over the title when Havoc and Polaris were on it um, after the X Men reboot with Jim Lee and all that kind of stuff in '91. Not to say that Larry Stroman's art in this issue was any good, because in places I don't think it was. But it's interesting because he doesn't really do much work anymore in comics. So for old X Factor fans, it was kind of neat to be like, oh, there he is. And like, there's some panels where you saw glimmers of what it was like. And that art was rough to swallow even back then. I mean, I'm, I'll admit it. But from a nostalgia factor, it was kind of cool to see. I'll agree with that for sure. I mean, I, I, like, I actually liked him when he was first in the book back when was that, the 90s? Or the 90s? Yeah, but I remember being like 13 and being really challenged by it. 
well, was, which was, I think was, is good. Ultimately, it was definitely it was not the style of Marvel at the time. It wasn't the Jim Lee yeah. knockoff style. It was it was different. It was good. I thought here yeah. it's it's either an inking problem or he's just out of practice or his style's changed or whatever the reasoning is. Sometimes it was yeah, good. Sometimes I, it wasn't good. I really wish I was still excited by this book. Yeah. I'm kind of sad that I'm not because I was really happy with it for a while. And I realized that we've – I mean really the, I think the problem is that we've been stuck in the mire for about 20 issues, maybe 15 issues where nothing's really happened. Like they moved but all their personal problems are still the same. Right. You know? Ever since Messiah Complex, it's always it's been. Yeah, agreed. I'll agree with that. But it looked, they looked like there was so much that could happen, and, and now nothing's happened, really. Yeah, but I still enjoy it. So you know, because I love Madrox, and I, I like Peter David writing like, these characters, and you know, it's fun. And and admittedly, you know, it's this is a blatant attempt to you know they have X Factor crossing over with She Hulk for the next three issues, part of Secret Invasion. So it's a blatant attempt to get people reading it and things like that. It's not even that. I mean, the, the, for me, I'm, I've got to think the best way to get people reading is to keep doing what you're doing really good and, and getting people to move to it. This is just a, a stunt. It's also – it seems like this is the one book that has to get shoehorned into everything. Yeah, I know. And it suffers for it so badly. Yeah. Anytime there's a Marvel event, it's got to be – and then there's an X-Men event, it has to be an, – and, and it's it, the book has suffered for it. Yep. I agree. This is the first time I've started thinking about maybe not buying it anymore. Mm. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Speaking Iron of not Iron buying Director anymore. Director Shield 31, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not too long ago, this was a very promising title. And they changed uh, and now, Yeah, now it's kind of an afterthought. Uh, Stuart Moore, the writer on this, you know, it's, it's not even that it's bad. It's just that it's depressingly average, yes. I guess. Yeah. It, there was nothing spectacular about it, and this should be – I mean, look at the juggernaut that is the Iron Man movie. Now, I'm not even saying that the people who go see the movie should go buy the comic book. That's not going to happen. We all know that. However, comic book readers, you know, there's no reason that 80 percent of the people who buy Avengers shouldn't be buying Iron Man, I guess. But you've got to have good people on the book for it. Well, they are. They're buying Invincible Iron Man. I yeah. guess. Yeah, they are. But, it's something a lot. Which honestly yeah. isn't that bad. I'm enjoying it a lot. No, it's not that bad. But but either way, this book was a pretty good book. But it, the Iron Man's all over the place still. Like my problem is that Iron Man is becoming the new Wolverine. In that nothing makes sense with him. He's a different person in every book he's in. He's a different scenario. You know, Dum Dum Duggan is in this book still. We're in a new storyline, and it's even though he's knee deep in. Secret Invasion and Dugan is a scroll. Here he is still as this right-hand man. It's just none of it makes any sense. Well, I mean, the thing is, if you're going to ignore continuity and make your story not fit in with what else is going on, it better be a damn good story. Right. You know what I mean? And it's kind of not. I don't know. I, I, eh. I, I was enjoying it for a little bit. One more issue in the arc, I'm going to read that. And if, if more is still writing, and I'll probably not buy it again. I'll, I'll probably be done with Iron Man. Yeah, that, that, that Mandarin arc was fantastic, but this is just not that as good. Brothers. Yeah, they should come back. <laughs> well, you have selected sponsorship. <laughs> if, if you want to go get those old Knopf Iron Man issues, you go to DCBS, the Discount Comic Book Service. they got monthly specials up to 75% off, 40% off major publishers with a flat rate shipping fee of five ninety five for all United States orders. And you can buy anything in previews. They have over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock and available for order. And they track your, you can track your order online. You sign into your account and watch how it's progress. If you go to www.dcbsservice.com, that's where you can find it all. One of the things that we love about iFanboy is the community, and they are kicking the butt in the user reviews, so we like to spotlight them. First one up is a book I know nothing about. It's X-Force number 5, uh, the review by Mikhail88K, who gave the story a 5 out of 5 and the art a 5 out of 5. 
So clearly he very much likes it. And he says, X-Force has really crescendoed since its first issue, each installment adding a new level of excitement to the already solid issues before them. The character development in the last several issues had been stellar, especially with X-23, who Kyle and Yost have turned into this emotionless killing machine. Yeah, I know, not very original on its own, and brought Wolverine forward as a pseudo-father figure for her as he tries to break through to her and remind her that there is more to life. Is, is Mikhail88K reading a different comic book than me? Well, that's exactly what I was going to say, because I have not heard this from anyone else. <laughs> well, I don't want to shit on anybody's review. I hear it a lot you... from people. It's, it's split 50-50. It seems to be people who love it and hate it. It depends on what you like. Well, on, yeah, and honestly, a big, thing, a big thing for me is that I just hate Clayton Crane's art. I hate it. It's dark. It's muddy. It's, I just don't like it at all. The story, admittedly, is decent. I like Yost and Kyle as a writing team. It's just the art is a really hard pill for me to swallow. And I don't like the premise of this group and the story and how it fits into the greater group, you know, thing. But that's me. So what is the premise? The premise is that it's, it's a team led by Wolverine with X-23, Warpath, and, and Wolfsbane. And they have blackish costumes with red inserts in their eyes, and they kill. Wait, and- Wolfsbane from... From X Factor, yeah. What the? She's gone. She's out. That she's off of X Factor. Oh, that's right. She did leave. Yeah. She left. But the thing is, is that it's a big storyline that's face has them facing off against the Purifiers and Bastions in there, and and Striker and like that whole religious Sentinel kind of sect of you know mutants are bad, they're against God, and that's what they're fighting against. They screwed with Warren Worthington and Arch- Archangel, which I don't know how they're going to deal with him in the regular X-Men books. You know, basically, they uh, Wolfsbane attacked him and clipped his wings, and he turned into Archangel again. But in X-Men 500, he's there in full angel glory, so I don't really know how they're going to deal with that. Well, that's that's it. If you want to review books, you go to ifanboy.com, register, you pull your books to the comics page, and then you can write, uh, review them once you've read them. It's very exciting. Yay. Now on to the email. Our first email is from Scott who was Target242 on the website, and he is, calls himself official iFanboy pediatrician. Because he's actually a doctor. Yes. People of stature listen to our show. People have <laughs> real meaningful jobs. I like just how a bunch we, of worthless layabouts. I like how we could, like, populate a, a city with, you know, we've got the doctor, <laughs> you know. We have, we have a dentist. We have a doctor. Um <laughs> All right, so he's got two anyway, questions. Anyway, let's, let's read Scott's question. The first question we'll do, and then we'll do the second one. The first one is, this question probably applies mainly to Ron. When I bag and board my comics, sometimes I encounter a glossy side and a matte side to the white backing board. Which side should touch the comic? Now, before Rossi. you give a snarky answer, I asked Wizard, and they gave him a snarky answer. So help, I found where Wizard could not. You okay. wrote to Wizard first? Quit, hang up on him. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, I had to laugh when I read this because I know exactly what you're talking about, dude, because I've sat there with the boards wondering what side to put in first. And this is my this is my martial, rationalization. I believe the glossy side is the one that's treated to be acid-free. That's what I always put towards the books yeah. I used to buy them. It slides yes. against the comic book better. Right, so I put the glossy side touching the comic and the matte side facing out. That's what I do. Not so snarky, it's more honest. Yeah, no, I agree. We all We're all in agreement about this, oddly enough. Second yeah. question. This was kind of asked when it came up to the issue of CGC Comics, which, I, which he also fundamentally opposes. When asked about saving comics or backing and boarding, the standard issue is, almost always, why do it? It's not going to be worth anything anyway. My question is, is this. Is that really the case? If you look at the comics collectible scene today, it is quite remarkable. The Bronze Age comics are, are going up in value. Comics that are printed in the 50s, like Superman Action Comics, had print runs in the millions, yet fewer saved because they were a throwaway medium and had apparent little value. 
with much smaller pit runs today and with a lack of encouragement to save, that issue of Astonishing Excellent number one may or will have value, but perhaps not for another 40 to 50 years. <laughs> Only time will tell. Simple supply and demand may ultimately come into play, be listened to, list, blah, blah, blah. Ron may have the last laugh when he saves his comics when he's almost too old to reap the benefits. Thank you. Finally, someone sees my vision. I think there's logic error in his theory. What's your logic error? Even though there's millions of comics printed in the 50s, only a few people saved them, whereas 200,000 comics printed today, almost all the people are saving them. Well, also, like, the comics being made today aren't really going to have, for the most part, long-reaching cultural ramifications like those ones did. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, they were throwaway items, but Superman is still around and Batman is still around 70 years later. Those are the things that, that sort of make a difference. And, and now there's so many comics being put out. And I, I, I mean, every, and everybody saves them. Every copy that existed will continue to exist. I don't in, more, but I save them. So, I mean, they're still there. Well, yeah. Everyone saves them. Well, yeah. And, and I, I definitely do agree with you guys. And I understand where you're coming from there. But I also agree with him to a certain degree in that, like, I got really mad. I get really mad when people talk about saving comics and, and the, the speculation aspect of them and trying to sell them. And I laugh because the comic you buy today isn't going to be worth anything. And it's probably not going to be worth anything for the next 10, 20 years. You know, it might be worth a couple of bucks or whatever. I mean, look at New Mutants number 87. I paid like $95 for that, the first cable. And I looked in Wizard the other day and it's like worth 11 now. You know, so actually I lost money there. Good luck getting that much. Yeah, but 50, 60 years, who knows? You know, like honestly, who knows? No way. The other thing to keep in mind is that all that other stuff wasn't actually being reprinted back then. And now, So if you wanted to read it, the only way you could read it to was to have the original one and so therefore where it was rare then you had your demand and yeah. now everything is reprinted there's second they go back to second print runs on re- almost like half the marvel books right and and then there's the, then there's the question of cgc and and i know we're we're generally i think we're all in agreement that our cgc opinion is that we don't like it because it eliminates you from being able to read the actual comic but they're the ones who are creating it's it's funny because they're counteracting your logic argument connor by creating a, a demand where there is none because like they're rating these comics and they're then they're keeping track of all these comics that exist and that now instead of looking for a you know an issue of wolverine number one people are looking for a 10.0 wolverine number one yeah, which doesn't exist ooh, that's a variant sketch 20 people right. are well no no a lot of people are no as 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 we found out there's a lot of people who are into the cgc shit i don't agree with them but there are so I don't, I don't it's almost that. like they're different than the sort of reader community, though. They're like yeah. different people. They talk, like they're, they're, they're collector they, community. They're the same people who were going after chase action figures, you know, and variants and all that shit. I mean, the thing is, we, we enjoy the comics for well, the stories. And that's that's our point of view. Mm-hmm. KJ and writes near the twain shall meet. He said, <laughs> I've been keeping with my family for a while. I haven't looked uh, over everything you've done. But all right, we're going to skip the intro part. Now, I've always, almost always agreed with your viewpoints, such as Identity Crisis, and that's fine. But watching your latest video, I was shocked and appalled enough to actually finally write you. Old. <laughs> Where were Jeff Loeb's The Long Halloween and Dark Victory? He's talking about our Batman show. We just did the top five Batman stories you haven't read. Since reading them, I've held them to be some of the finest Batman stories I've read, and so do most <laughs> others in the comic circles where I hang out. I'm reasonably yeah. sure I've heard you mention one or both of them at least once, so I'm surprised you, didn't, you don't share this view. God knows I'm not the biggest Jeff Loeb fan. By all appearances, he can only seem to write a good story if it involves Batman, but he really ex- succeeded beyond his capabilities with these two stories, and Hush to, to a lesser extent. And the Tim Sale art is icing on the cake. Any explanation for why you don't consider Long Halloween and our Dark Victory to be worthy of a spot in the top Batman stories? <laughs> because you've read them already. The premise of the show was the top five Batman stories you haven't read. 
Well, no, we only excluded the Arkham yeah. Year One. And I know. I, I, there was a reason that I I wouldn't have nominated these books. Connor, you you go ahead and you give your your. I like Long Halloween. I've got it in trade. I've got it in absolute form, and I like Batman: Dark Victory. But they're 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 not in my top ten. There's no not not even close. I mean, we did. If you take those five we did plus three we excluded, that's eight. Maybe it's in my top fifteen or twenty, but problem. But I'd have to go back and look through everything. I mean, they're all right stories. They're they're fine. I think the art's really good. But at the end of the day, I think the stories themselves are pretty average. Wow. And that actually leads to to sort of mine. You know, the, the Long Halloween is basically. It's the Godfather, but told in the Batman universe. So to me, that almost automatically excludes it because it's not an original story. It's just here's if we did this like this a little bit. That to me actually diminishes it. I actually like Dark Victory a little better because I felt it was a little more original, I guess. So for me, the art is the really strong point on those two, and the stories are are okay. They're re- they're really very good Batman stories, but you know there are others. I you know when I went back recently and I read The Long Halloween, I didn't love it. I thought it was okay, but when I read Son of the Demon, I just reread that and I was like, this is so much fun. Yeah. It, it was just something more special, I guess. But also, if you go back and watch our Tim Sale episode, we talk a lot about those two books. Yeah, it's true. No, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're good. They're they're not. They're no slouch. I mean, think about the reams, the reams and reams of paper spent on Batman stories. There are hundreds and thousands of Batman stories. So if that's in the top twenty, that's pretty good but i don't think it, i wouldn't put it in my top 10 though that's for sure and it, you know it is our opinion you may have yours <laughs> which is valid you, you yeah. can like we didn't tell you not to like the book your val your opinion is just as valid but that's why i mean I, jeff Loeb. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best work he's ever done too yeah. no the best work he ever did was superman for all seasons I don't know. You said that the other day, and and I was I was thinking about that. I don't know if that's that's better. I know. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Um, I like the Marvel stuff though. That's why I'm biased. Yeah, yeah, I was vaguely disappointed by all of it. Oh, really? Yeah, I really was. I think that the art is beautiful, and it's fine. And it exists on its own. There's a certain tone to his writing that I'm not impressed by, and it's just getting. And the thing is, that tone is getting stronger and stronger in everything that he does. Like yeah. he's focusing on those kind of like big blockbuster action points and like a certain kind of quippy line and I'm just not into Obvious it. Obvious themes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh well. You have selected e-music. <laughs> well hang on. So if you have any questions you want to ask us you can shoot us an email at contact at ifanboy.com. Now you've selected e-music. So uh, if you're a fan of music like we are you really got to be checking out emusic.com slash ifanboy. They've got totally DRM-free, no copy protection, MP3s uh, you can download. They've got a ton of great artists. If you think that only the good artists are on iTunes or Amazon, you're wrong. They're actually on eMusic as well. If you go to emusic.com slash ifanboy, you can see a playlist that we selected. You can download some songs that we like. If you sign up, you get 50 free downloads. So you can download our entire playlist plus like 25 more songs. Or you can download 50 songs of your choosing, whatever you like. We like the music, so uh, we want to share it. So go to emusic.com slash ifanboy and uh, start listening. Wow. I, I believe that my subscription reinstates, and I'm very excited because now I get to go find more stuff. Yeah, yeah. The way it works is that, the, is that you sign up and you get a, um, like a monthly allotment of download whatever you want. So you pay like nine bucks and you get you know, like 20 downloads a month or 20 bucks, get 50 downloads a month or whatever. So it's like a subscription service. So you got to make sure you keep using it. But it's awesome because you're not paying you know, per song or per album, which can add up. Trust me. Look at my Amazon bill. It's not pretty. <laughs> Onto the, the voicemails. voicemails. Yay. <laughs> yay. Yay. <laughs> we never say yay again. Yay. That would be awesome. Yay. Uh, 
I don't remember which one we're doing. <laughs> so somebody place. else. <laughs> you have selected. Fill in the blank. Hey, guys. This is Jeff from Greeley, Colorado. And uh, I just read JSA 17. And I kind of got the feeling that they were going to make that Marine guy into uh, Magog. But then I thought, maybe that's stupid. Maybe we already know who Magog is. So I guess my question is, what do we know about Magog? Uh, thanks. Bye. I, I, I don't know, Jeff. But <laughs> that's probably why you wouldn't have wanted to ask me. Connor? <laughs> oh, wait. I know one thing. What? It's Magog. Yes. Good. I believe. Let's, I bet let's Jeff John. Yeah, I bet Jeff John's. It's Magog, like, not Magog. It's really not. Oh, uh, you know, it's not dumb to think that. It's certainly possible. When he when I heard this, I went, "Ooh!" I thought yeah. that was really interesting. You know, and and considering we had success with the guy who called the Captain America thing, you know, we should take note of this episode. It's possible. We don't what know episode much. Was we, we that? Don't know, we don't know much about Magog. I forget what episode it was, but remember the guy who called that it was the Steve Rogers clone from the 50s? Oh, yeah, he, he nailed the Grand Director thing completely. Yeah, and so, I heard so, an interview with, with Ed Brubaker where he's like, only a few people got it. And I was like, one of our guys got it. Yeah. And we have a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but so maybe here in episode 142, Jeff from Colorado might have called Mag- Magog. Magog. Whatever. Who knows? I, I, I do have to say the whole Gog thing, I read that issue again and it's still freaking me out. In a good like, way, though. Yes. In a good way, but he's freaky. He's freaky. Oh, totally. Would you like me to make you better? Yeah, I know. It's just like... No. <laughs> I make you smile, yes. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> <laughs> just close your mouth. You have giant pointy teeth, sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> he's a god. He should be respectful. Yeah. I would call... He's fucking 40... 50 feet tall. Your Highness, whatever. I, dude, he's a god. I don't want to piss him off. <laughs> it's those weird cultural things. You never know where he comes from. Maybe if you scratch your head or something, that signals a war. You've got to be careful. <laughs> what would you have him do for you, Josh? Oh, there's a lot of things that need fixing. <laughs> <laughs> for one thing, uh... Nanny goes, let's not get into that. All right. <laughs> let's, uh... Matt, Matt's got a question about the, this upcoming week. Hey, guys. This is Matt from Simi Valley, California. was just curious. I'm sitting here making out a list of things that I'm going to be looking out for in San Diego, things that I'm looking to buy, and it's getting kind of lengthy. I was just kind of curious what you guys' lists are looking like, what you're going to be looking for at the con, whether it be trades, hardcovers or, you know, collectible stuff, whatever. Uh, yeah, I was just curious. All right, take it easy. Well, Matt, there are three things I'm really looking forward to spending money on in San Diego. One is food. Steak. One is shelter. And possibly a lap dance I haven't decided yet. But really, <laughs> all of the money goes to food and shelter in San Diego. Well, no, I mean, when we were in New York, Josh and I took, what was it, 20 minutes and we browsed the aisles, and you had a good time doing that, right? No, 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 no. Yeah. There's, there's no shelter to be purchased in New York. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a job then. <laughs> Whole other no, thing. I'm going to be looking at, I'm going to be trying to do some back issue diving on Sunday. Not, nothing specific, but I'll, I'll definitely be looking for something. But I yeah. may be waiting tables during the, during the off hours <laughs> just to pay my way back. We're, I haven't seriously I'm, bought anything since, in San Diego since like 2002. Well, the tough thing about buying things in San Diego is you got to bring it back. Yep. 
You know, like we're almost we're a little spoiled by having the one in New York and San Francisco because you can buy shit there and just bring it home. You know, but it's like I remember, you know, having to back before we did this endeavor that we're doing now. <laughs> I used to bring a, a bigger suitcase just right. to you know fit everything in it. Now I no. bring a giant suitcase. It's full of a camera, <laughs> right? Well, and some tapes it, and that was the endeavor I was talking about. I know. You know what's funny though is that literally because we do this show, I try to keep up on stuff so I'm not behind. And what used to happen was I would go there and I would pick up all the things that I'd been hearing about, you know, but now I don't do that. This is so not germane to anybody but me. So I don't know why I'm talking about it. Uh, Someone out there, someone's going to like it. Keep talking. There's a few things that I think I would keep an eye out for in sort of the back issue bins. Or like, I will. I like half off trade paperbacks, but I don't never know what they are until I get there to look for them. Lurch yeah, the half off trade paperbacks is great. I, I might look for the no man's land trades because only the first ones in the stocks. So the others are you have to pick up from dealers. But the only thing I do like to do is I like to walk around the Oni Press booth or the Top Shelf booth and look what they've got on their, on their um, tables because they always have interesting stuff. Yeah, I've discovered also- a lot of really good stuff through that. And we also we there's the annual walking around the red tables like the small press tables to see what you know what up and comer you know what kind of stuff that we don't know about that's out there. Yeah. <sighs> and bags cost money now. You can't just check your stuff. So that's yeah, that's a very good on point. The, on the expenses. You know what? It's it's environmentally irresponsible for us to bring back a lot of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Again, this is not germane to anyone. But what? you have selected a new topic. <laughs> well, what probably is Jermaine is what we're doing in San Diego. Right, yeah. guys? Right. Oh, boy. When it's is close. that? It's close. Yes. It's this freaking week. We're hitting it hard. We're going to be there Tuesday through <laughs> Sunday. Uh, we're hitting said- it hard like the bottle. <laughs> oh, we'll be hitting bottles hard, too. And, you know, we'll be running around with cameras. We'll be, we'll be there. If you see us, say hi. And we'll also be having some events, some parties. Ron, tell them about the events. Okay, well, the most important thing uh, – well, not the most important thing, but the important things you're going to look out for if you like the iFanboy is on Thursday at 5 o'clock. I forget what room it's in, but uh, there's the comics podcasting panel that I believe uh, we will be sitting on. We will have representation at the comics podcasting panel along with the guys from Comic News Insider, Comic Geek Speak, and the comic book page. I believe that's who it is. That might be forgetting somebody. Oh, Andy Spinnerack. How can I forget that? Our good friend Charlie's gonna, uh, Charlito is going to be there. I believe they would be the Izza. Izza. And there, there's been uh, some confusion as to the um, as to the moderator of that panel. Rick Remender was agreed to do it, but then he canceled on the entire convention because his family I'm, came to visit I'm him. I'm coming from you, Remender. Yeah, so I don't blame him at all. In replacement of that, we're proud to announce that Fred Van Lente, who you might recognize from Action Philosophers or he's been writing stuff for Marvel recently – is going to be moderating it. He's pretty funny, so that should be fun. So that's 5 o'clock on Thursday in room 32AB, which sounds to me like it's somewhere buried. But Yeah, those are those back rooms. Yeah. So, Where the magic so, happens. So room 32AB at 5 o'clock on Thursday. That's whichever, the first thing. Whichever one of us draws the short straw will be on the, on the dais. Exactly. <laughs> I don't like that word, dais. That's just... Anyway, um... <laughs> So then that, that's Thursday. Then Friday, we'll do a little cross-promotion here. You're going to want to check out our friends at the Totally Rad Show. They're doing a live show um, from 7.15 to 9.15 um, in room 7AB. We'll probably be there. But then after they do the live show, the Totally Rad Show and I fanboy are going to be having – we're throwing a little party. If you went to San Diego last year, you might, you might have attended our party. It was at a place called Bar Basic. In the Gaslamp District, it's the same place where it's going to be again this time. We're very, very excited. So it's 9 o'clock, and I have the address here. 
It's at 410 10th Avenue, and we're going to be rolling in there around 9 o'clock, and we're going to be there till, till midnight. And if you uh, like to drink, come see us. We might have free drinks for you. I don't know, maybe. Don't want to promise anything. We don't want to promise anything. And yeah, keep exactly. your eye out for Twitter. It's possible we'll have a spontaneous iFanboy-only get-together one other night, and we'll probably be something we decide on a spur of the moment, and then we'll Twitter and, and, and stuff, so keep your eye out for yes. that. If, yeah, if you're going to the convention, if you have a cell phone, sign up for Twitter. Follow twitter.com slash iFanboy. We're going to be you know, our, giving our witty quips about the convention, but also we're going to be saying where we might be, and if we might be hanging out at a, at a bar, we might want you to come join us, so that's a good place to check. So then finally, a really cool thing we have to announce is that we're going to be uh, throwing a little contest at, at San Diego. You might have remembered a couple of weeks ago we interviewed Stan Lee. Stan Lee and his folks were kind enough to uh, contact us to see if we wanted to do anything special um, at the convention. That uh, guy again? That guy again. Oh so, my. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. So here's the, de- here's the deal. Sunday night, ifanboy.com. There's going to be an op- we're going to post the details of the contest. Basically, just to run it down, if you're at San Diego and you are the winner, you will be allowed to accompany us with when we go interview Stanley. So you'll be have the opportunity to meet Stanley, to be in the room with him. So that's pretty exciting. If you're not going to the convention, don't worry, you can still sign up. You can, instead of winning the opportunity to meet him, you're going to get a bag of really cool stuff, some stuff signed by him, things like that. We don't really know the specifics on that, but um, it's definitely worth it to sign up whether you're going to the convention or not. So go to ifanboy.com for details on how to enter, and it's an opportunity for a really special kind of ifanboy comic book moment for one per- lucky person. You know what's funny is that we have this Fandango thing here, and we've been doing movie phone jokes all night. <laughs> So if you go to ifanboy.com and you want to buy Dark Knight tickets, you can click on the Fandango ads and do that. That would help us out, and we're sorry, Fandango, basically. <laughs> and don't forget, on ifanboy.com, there's going to be a post with all the details about San Diego in addition to the Stanley thing, so don't forget to check that out as well when you go to ifanboy.com. I'm yeah. Captain Jump the Gun Flanagan. That's me. Pretty much. <laughs> Whatever. I'm eager. And that's what the girls say. At ifanboy.com. I'm a winner. You can read my Pick of the Week review. You can check out all the in-depth discussion. We added a few new people this week. Welcome Chris Neesman and Sonia Harris. They've been joining the writing team. You can check out their stuff. And all the important discussion topics, things we talked about the Watchmen trailer this week and other exciting things. So check it out at ifanboy.com. It's been a strong couple of weeks at ifanboy. Very, very pleased. And if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash store, if you need to buy comics, that's where we've teamed up with amazon.com to give you a place to buy comics from, as well as you can buy DVDs, video games, music, whatever you might need to get from amazon.com. Go to ifanboy.com slash store for all your purchasing needs. You are probably aware of our video show, which comes out on every Wednesday now, not Saturday. It's Wednesday. Seek like when comics come out. Last week, we talked about the top five Batman stories that you probably haven't read and, and probably should. As according to us, they might be different for the individual user. And this next week coming up, I'm very excited because uh, we had a conversation with Alex Robinson, whose new book, Too Cool to Be Forgotten, is out now, very, very recently. And we, we had a nice long talk with him about his books and about being a cartoonist, and that'll be up this Wednesday. Yes. So watch it. Uh, I, did you say why? I. Oh. <laughs> why would I watch that? Uh, iFanboy <laughs> Mini is every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. It's a little one to four minute piece about comics that we like to do. So check that out at iFanboy.com or revision3.com slash iFanboy. Yes. And, um. Oh, I think someone, oh, just, someone, <laughs> <laughs> did somebody explode? What happened? That was two of us. I completely just like swallowed and it like didn't go down and it came back up and then I choked. <laughs> you sounded like a pod racer skidding out of control. <laughs> That is also what she said. <laughs> so she I wish she said that unless she was a huge nerd. 
<laughs> I was trying to tell you about jinx.com forward slash iFanboy. No, swallowing can... and choking. Never mind. Go ahead. Jinx.com forward slash iFanboy where you can buy your t-shirts. If you're going to San Diego, wear your iFanboy t-shirt. We love seeing it on the, on the con floor. If you're wearing it, come up and, and you see us, come up and show us. Take a picture of wearing your t-shirt, send it to Jinx.com. You get some free stickers. So Jinx.com forward slash iFanboy. There are many ways to contact us, like contact at iFanboy.com. Wait, I'm doing it better again. So you can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. you have any questions, you, you just want to talk about it or share a recipe for fondue, whatever it is you need, that's that's the place to call. <laughs> fondue. Woo-hoo. Okay. <laughs> social networks can be found at ifanboy.com slash about, myspace.com, comicspace.com, verb. Our Facebook group and Twitter, which is very important for San Diego, twitter.com slash ifanboy. Eddie Vedder would be a great Twitterer. He would. I wonder if he's on it. So if you like what we do, go to iTunes, write a review. Um, we've got tons and tons of reviews of the audio show. If you watch the video show, leave some reviews on the video show. We tell people what you think of the video show as well. Um, and those of you who are not watching the HD version of the video show, go watch that. That's that's awesome. But also, so leave a review on iTunes or tell your friends, tell your folks at your comic book store, tell anybody you know about iFanboy, spread the word, help us, you know, uh, because, you know, we're, we're young and scrappy, and we need all the help we can get. Listen, these guys work hard, and if you've got any extra money around, a good good thing for your karma would be to donate some of it to ifanboy.com slash donations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, I'm not ready for San Diego at all. You know Eddie Vedder is from, was from San Diego. Is he really? That's where he was living before he moved up to Seattle. He was a surfer. He went to the con in the 80s? He might have. Uh, well, he was a very big fan of Zot. <laughs> 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 I just said he, but I was talking in the voice. I apologize. <laughs> Do any of un- at the back issue been looking for issues of – back issues of um, – of- Excuse me. I've been looking everywhere trying to find a copy of issue three of Secret Wars 2. I haven't been able to finish the story, and I can't find this anywhere. If there's anything that you could do to help me out, I would really appreciate that. Also, I have a list here from my friend Neil Young. He's, he's a huge Micronauts fan. <laughs> See, we said to listen to the end of the show. <laughs> end it. Uh, you know what? I didn't mean to say Micronauts. I meant to say ROM Space Night. Oh, well. Micronauts totally worked. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week, if we survive San Diego. Oh, we're going to be from San Diego, aren't we? Yeah. That's the plan. Oh, shit. We got to do that, too, don't we? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next week in San Diego, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. <clears throat> I'm right here. <laughs> Good. I thought I could make it. I didn't. Bye. <laughs> On the clean every day It's all the bombs and the sun's head One time, one night outside, this couple was out there and we didn't know what they were doing. They were waiting for a car, but they kept making out like a lot, That's like on lot. our street. And and she was in like a bikini and then like had like a mesh dress over that. And I was like, I think she's a hooker. And Lindsay and I were just spying on them. <laughs>
and like the walk. dude just kept trying to paw her and then and then they'd stop and they'd talk for a while and then and then he like took her boob out and started kissing it and then they'd stop <laughs> did you see her boob nah i was too far away but you could tell what he was doing jesus that's weird. well because I, I first noticed because i went out to take the dog out to pee and i was like what the fuck's going on over there and then I went back upstairs and looked at him through the window, and Lindsay joined me. Nice. It's the most fascinating thing that happened to our our neighborhood in in uh, Wilson to the people having sex next door. That was the first day, wasn't it? Yeah, I know nothing good. Nothing's beat that. <laughs>